Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Fascinating Nouns. Now this is the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now here at this curious nexus point, we explore the strange, the unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, and all the things in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Now today, this thing falls in the in-between category because this is really an exploration of the mundane, the trivial, the everyday. This is something that we take for granted Something I never knew was this friggin' fascinating until I met Mary Brown, our guest today. And she's going to talk about quilting. Now, before your eyes glaze over, let me give you the pitch on quilting. Because this is not your grandmother's quilting. This isn't some cloth-filled device used solely for the purpose of keeping one's body warm in extremely cold temperatures. No. These things are works of art, and I'm not being flippant, I'm not being sarcastic, I'm not being anything but 100% truthful, and I didn't know any of this until I met Mary and experienced her passion and enthusiasm for what she would call a hobby, and I would call a craft. I mean, she is an artisan in every sense of the word. Now, if that hasn't gotten you jazzed up enough about quilting, I don't know what will, because this is going to be an incredible discussion with Mary Brown, the queen of quilting, Los Angeles, California. Mary, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. I want to tell you, Mary, I can tell you this. Uh, I didn't think much of quilting before I met you. You've inspired me to really rethink what quilting is. Um, I mean, it is it is not just something that a throwaway blanket or a poor man's blanket, I guess is what you would think because it's all patchworky. Don't the, even say the B word to I'm, me. Don't even use the word, word blanket while like, we're discussing <laughs> quilts, Dan. How dare you? <laughs> no blanket. Uh, but I always thought of it that way. And you've kind of, I really, truly, and this is not, I'm not BSing you here, Mary. I wouldn't do that. I respect you too much. But I really think of these things as works of art now. So I have this in my head, but I want you to put it in your words. Make quilting sexy for my audience, please. Well, I think the starting point for me wasn't necessarily the sexy place. Although I think you get there in the end. <laughs> of course. But uh, I'm a I'm a history buff. I like historical fiction. I've always been interested in 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 history, and a quilt came into my life that had been made by some descendant of mine, and it was a beautiful classic. Uh, double wedding ring quilt, which is an old Amish pattern, and it was made by somebody in the late 19th century who signed their name on the bottom of this quilt, and it was absolutely precious. Uh, I didn't, it came into my life when I was a young woman. I was in my 20s. I used it as my bedspread. I let my dog sleep on it. I did not treat it as the precious historical document that it was, and when it was in shreds, I felt so bad about it that I began to question, you know, well, maybe I could replace this. Maybe I could make my own heirloom. And ultimately, when I had a chance to make my first quilt, which was when my uh, daughter went off to college, I thought, I'm going to imbue this item with all kinds of symbols and comfort items that will give her warmth both inside and out when she goes away to college. And this, just making this quilt, taking time with each square to make sure that it represented something that was meaningful to her in her life, 
it it deve- helped me develop an uh, an idea about quilts that first a quilt is a craft. You know, you have to have a certain certain level of skill. It doesn't have to be great skill, but you have a certain level of skill cuz you're you're putting things together that weren't together before. So it is a craft. On the second level, it provides comfort. It makes you warm on a cold night. It's something you can wrap around you uh, in a way that is both literal and figurative, um, i.e. for my daughter with this quilt, it not only kept her warm on a, a cold winter night in Boston, but it also reminded her of home and of the mother who loved her and of all the you know the things that she was homesick for in, in those first years of college. And beyond craft and comfort, then there is community. Because in, in the history of quilts, it is about a community of people. Um, women would come together in, in quilting bees. That's sort of the, the old-timey image that we have of it. But it's absolutely true that it doesn't, it, it takes a village to make a quilt. Um, one person may actually do all the work, but there is a sense of bringing all the tradition and all of the quilters and all of the ideas and all of the designs into play in this one item that you are creating in that moment. And when I got this sense of what quilts meant, uh, it encouraged me to go forward and to make more and to explore those kind of those areas. Um, I love making items for people, for specific people, people whose personalities I know, whose likes I can discern, because I can put pieces of them into the items that I make for them. And uh, that personalization, that ability to say, I see who you are, and I've represented it in this physical way that brings comfort and brings beauty into a home. I mean, it there's there's just a lot going on, not to mention all the design principles and all that stuff, which is very you know, the art of it. Yeah, it's, very heavy yeah, it's a lot in one blanket. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? <laughs> Uh, so this, so the quilt that you made, I, I kind of think of it like almost like a tapestry. Like you were telling a story in textile form, right? Um, that particular quilt, absolutely. I I had a square. Every square represented something in her life. So there was a square. Like her favorite movie as a child growing up was All Dogs Go to Heaven, and so one square was devoted to that movie and it had blue sky fabric and it had little dogs in it and it was dogs in heaven and it that's just what it was there was a a square that represented her her school life where I cut up old um uh school uniforms you know the khaki skirt and the white blouse and I made the square out of pieces of her uniform especially the ones that she had drawn marks a lot messages you know when oh, you're really? when you're yeah. in high school you write on your skirt well I made sure that uh pieces that ended up in the quilt had her marks a lot on it uh, Wait, hold on, hold on. You you ride on your skirt? I'd never heard that before, really. Oh, like, if you go to an all-girls school where you have to wear a khaki skirt, you do whatever you can to personalize it. And so I took the most sort of personal, the things that, that just said, boy, this was Annie in high school. Uh, I took those things and, and put them into that square. Um, there were squares that represented her time in dance. You know, just, oh, um, all the time she was growing up, I would make her Christmas dresses, her Easter outfits, and her Halloween costumes. And so there were squares that represented some of those favorite items where I used uh, scraps that I had kept from those um, 
those apparel and you know stuff like that. Wow! So your your talents don't begin and end at quilting. I mean, so you were making all of these types of things. So you had them around the house, things that you not only were, that she loved, but you had made before you made them into a quilt. Correct. Um, for her fourth birthday party, she had a cowgirl party where I made little cowgirl <laughs> bags, you know, out of funky vintage-looking Western fabric, and so there were you know squares that represented that it's like how cool is it to look down on your quilt and see your fourth your fourth year birthday party represented right (laughs) that's pretty amazing so these are so these are really unlike any other crafted item I mean they represent community creativity and tradition that's what I'm kind of getting from you Yes, and what is really exciting is that in this kind of DIY trend that's been occurring, um, you know, where younger people are picking up some of these more traditional crafts and, and making them their own, is that, you know, now in the modern quilt movement, we can take, you know, it doesn't have to look like our grandmother's quilt anymore. We can make things with, you know, current design um, principles and uh, current color palettes and uh, minimalist patterns that um, reference the traditional quilt, but absolutely taken into a modern setting where a modern quilt would be at home in an apartment of a 20-something of a millennial who, you know, is, is a creative modern person. Well, you know, I actually, I, through our discussions, I put together a whole list, not only of your quilts, but of other quilts that represent all the things we're going to talk about. And I was really blown away. You can get it on the website. I've created a, a Pinterest account. And there are 3D quilts. There's, you know, movements in other countries. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's I didn't know that quilting was so alive and well and modern. That's what really kind of blew me away. Absolutely. There, there are the old-fashioned quilt shows where the ladies who buy kits, you know, go and buy new kits. Uh, but there's also uh, now the modern quilt show has a, a modern quilt movement has its own quilt shows now called Quilt Con. And there you can really see where people are just pushing the boundaries. One of the one of the quilts I want to make soon. <laughs> quilt Con. Quilt Con. Uh, one of the quilts I want to make soon. They do a pixelated style quilt where you take a photograph and pixelate it just like you do you know you, you see those posters where every square is made up of another picture you like know the mosaics right uh well you can do that in quilt terms where you're taking um graded shades of you know gray or or any any color you wish make a pixelated portrait and i am really desperate to do a pixelated portrait of abraham lincoln who is my other uh hobby slash obsession and <laughs> so to see a modern looking pixelated quilt uh representing abraham lincoln's sort of classic portrait would be really cool well i think you know I, I i put one up on 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 the account as well of one that someone sent to me recently which is of ron swanson from parks and rec which kind of is an, the perfect example of what right. you want to do which, right exactly the pop culture with the traditional style i mean yeah. it's just it's it's a great uh you know, blending of past and present. Yeah, it, it takes so much skill to do. Like, I, I mean, even though it's in black and white, I mean, it, it looks, it's amazing. Like, kind of blew me away. It's, actually, the execution of a quilt like that is far more formulaic than you would think, that the creativity comes in the conceptual, uh, the conceptualization of it. it. The execution of it isn't as difficult as it appears. 
why are you why are you deflating my I'm really excited over here talking about You know this. because I don't think anybody should be intimidated by the difficulty of doing this that at the end of the day you're really just sewing squares together and all the lines are even all the all these seam allowances are the same that in terms of the difficulty of sewing I would say that a quilt is is less difficult than a garment um, you know, making a pair of pants, you've got to have, you know, some skills that a, a person just sewing two squares of fabric together doesn't need to have. Except being somewhere on the spectrum of the OCD, I imagine, if everything is, the way you described it, seemed very uh, straight patterns, straight <laughs> um, lines. OCD sometimes comes to mind when I am obsessing about a quilt pattern. <laughs> uh, but actually a little bit of that is necessary in that a quilt is a long-term project. I mean, it's one thing to make a quilted tote bag or something that you can finish in a weekend. But a major quilt, especially like a bed-sized quilt, can take you a couple months. And a lot of those execution steps are really tedious, you know, where like right now I'm embarking on a new quilt and there's a particular, you know, six-inch square that I have to make 96 of. Uh, And each of them have to be a little different. And so just imagine, you know, each piece has about 25 pieces in it. Each block has about 25 pieces in it. So 25 pieces times 96 blocks, their tedium sets in soon after. And uh, that's where it requires just your persistence and your desire to complete that takes you over that hump of, you know, I love the conceptualizing, the drawing together of the fabrics, the putting together of the colors and the prints and the textures. I love that part. Then you have to sit down and sew it. And not only, you know, you have to sew it, then you have to sew it. So smaller pieces onto bigger pieces and bigger pieces onto bigger pieces. And then you have to, you know, actually put the sandwich together of the top, the middle, and the backing. Then you have to actually do the quilting, which is where you sew those three layers together, and then sew a binding around it. And each of those steps takes takes time. More time, the bigger the quilt. Uh, and so you do have to have a certain, you know, spectrum quality to be able <laughs> to follow through and not just give up halfway through and say, well, I've done the fun part. I'll, I'm, <laughs> I'm setting this one aside. Well, and the thing I liked, the, the spin, I didn't want to lose it in my sarcastic comments, was that anyone can do this. And that was such a great spin that I didn't think about it. It's, it's, the, the stitches are easy. You know, Absolutely. It's, it's straight you, lines. You're just limited by your own imagination. Uh, well, you're limited by your own fear or intimidation that mm-hmm. uh, that people are intimidated who have never sewn before may look at the machine and say, oh, you know, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to thread it. I don't know. You know, but the basics of threading the, th- the machine and putting two pieces of material through it are, you know, can be learned in a in an hour. Um, and just sewing in a straight line, you can figure out how to do in another hour. And at that point, you can make a quilt. Yeah. So and, and so it's not that hard to do. Let, let's walk walk me through the process a little bit. How if I wanted to make a quilt right now, can you give me that hour long lesson in three minutes? Yeah, I'd probably first go to the internet. Um, where <laughs> yeah. go to YouTube, watch some videos. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> go to YouTube because every time I bump up against something that I'm a little unclear of, you know, let's say you're, you know, how do I do this kind of block? There's somebody online who's demonstrated it for you. So definitely YouTube videos, but there's a ton of quilting blogs and websites and a lot of really interesting, more modern 
ones that also include just very basic information. And, you know, some of the um, favorite designers uh, that I know of have really great websites. Tula Pink has a nice one. Elizabeth Hartman Hartman has a nice one. Alyssa Haight Carlton, uh, the Modern Quilt website. All these are more, um, you know, current, up-to-date, uh, both information and style uh, uh, and technique where you can learn a lot and get pattern ideas. Etsy has a ton of patterns and um, for $8 you can get a PDF pattern of a simple quilt where you can just download it at home, print up the pattern at home and go to town. Um, the you know Some very simple ones that would also be aesthetically pleasing and then you have to get you know get a hold of the fabric there's tons of ways to get a hold of fabric one is just go to fabric.com or one of the many websites that offer fabric but the it can be a little intimidating because there's just so many choices i also um you know pick up fabric at yard sales and thrift stores and um you can cut up shirts and you can cut up old clothes and you can cut up sheets you know you can make a quilt out of anything you don't have to like i prefer for my more artistic endeavors to buy fresh fabric that is of a top quality and that stuff runs you you know 10 or 11 dollars a yard um but boy you find a couple of yards of some stuff that's a few years old at a yard sale and you can practice your your skills and and not spend uh not spend much money now so that brings up a good point when in the history of quilting, original quilts were made out of discarded items, right? I Correct. Mean, what they did. I mean, when you think about the growth of the quilt in America, it really started, um, you know, obviously people from the Revolutionary wartime on made quilts because that's what they had their bed covers on. But when that, what, that's what they were made out of. But when the people came um, across the frontier, they ha- they had no stores. Obviously, they had no way of, of ordering things online. Uh, they had to take the th- their feed sacks, their old shirts, their whatever they had on hand. The they probably used some of you know Conestoga wagon cover that that uh, muslin that went over the top of the wagon. They used whatever. Uh, materials they had at hand to keep themselves warm in a cold winter and this brings um, that sense of um, we make do uh, the sense of make do that that Americans have um, that they took what was at hand and made something beautiful and new out of it repurposed it and that's what we can still do you know go to the thrift store buy a couple of shirts you know for 50 cents cut them up and make yourself a a dog bed, you know? I mean, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Quilted dog bed. Yeah, That's cute. why not? Why yeah, not? Why not? So this is... At what point... Because what you're describing is a very functional item. And what kind of brought me into it is that these are really... I mean, it's like painting with fabrics. When when did that switch happen where they, where they moved out of functionality and into more artistic endeavors? I, I think quilting lost uh, its fan base when you know, kind of 70s, 80s, 90s, the, the quilt this community. Is 1970 or this 1870? 19. Um, that the quilt community got old and young people couldn't see their way through it. It just didn't seem relevant on any level to them. And I would say really it, it was the 2000s with the DIY and the, you know, crafty trends that are, are occurring now that sort of made 
made younger people reconsider what could be done with the quilt. And a few, you know, trailblazers who put out modern quilts that had appealed to a, a new generation of quilters. Uh, what about, you know, we didn't, we kind of glo- missed this. I, I, this is a great way to go back to it. The AIDS quilt happened in the 80s. You, you, you created some for that. And this was at the point when quilting wasn't exactly at its high point. Exactly. Uh, the AIDS quilt, now I, I don't know exactly when the AIDS quilt came to be, but it had to have been in the early 80s. I lost a friend in 1980. Oh, gosh, it was later than that. It was 1992. And uh, I had heard about the AIDS quilt. I had never made a quilt. And my friends and I, he was sort of the leader of our circle of friends, and we wanted to make a, uh, a panel for him for the National AIDS Quilt. And for those of us who were grieving our friend, um, there was a group uh, that met at that Highland, that, that um, church at Hollywood and Highland. I don't know if they still have one, but once a month you could come and bring your project and they would have quilting people there who would help you and it was a it was definitely a community of people creating um, panels for the AIDS quilt and my friends and I met once a week in the rec room of somebody's condo building and we somebody built a frame and we all worked on the different elements of this quilt and um, that was in the you know like I said the early 90s our quilt is now part of the immense national AIDS quilt that still exists and you can google his name and and pull up a picture of our quilt panel in in a second and it's it's really cool we we went to visit it at the rose bowl once um where they just had the entire arena filled with uh quilt panels and ours was among them That's, and i have it up on the website you don't have to go to the national aids quilt i've got <laughs> it up on our site it's a uh, pretty amazing and here i'm going to admit something to you mary I, for some reason, thought the AIDS quilt was an actual quilt, and I thought, like, they ro- unrolled it, and it was, like, you know, 100 yards long, but it's actually small little panels. The quilt well, aspect small. is... Well, not small. The panels are actually pretty big, four feet by six feet, something like that. I mean, oh, wow. that, I'm, okay. I'm guesstimating, but they were bigger than you think. Yeah. Um, they were not small, pan- but they were large enough panels, um, but... The panels are sewn into small sections of six or eight panels, and those are combined with others. So a quilt, the the AIDS quilt might go on tour and be in a certain area of the country. They might focus the panels on display towards people who were from that area of the country. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, or people who were part of a certain, um, you know, nurses or, you know, something else that thematically brought those particular um, people together. Uh, but the quilt, I'm sure if it were to be laid end to end, would cover many, many football fields and couldn't right. be taken anywhere. <laughs> right. Well, and, that's, and that makes sense. It's more of like a metaphoric quilt. It's right. made of a small quilt. And, of so. course, metaphorically, it also represents just the vast number of people we lost to AIDS over the years. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and what's, what, what's kind of the, the theme with those is that you take a lot of personal energy and put them into these because you also made a quilt for a friend that was battling cancer as well. Like these, you've taken these emotional parts of your life, and 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 thrust that creativity into these projects, which is not unlike Van Gogh or Monet or you know Rembrandt or any of these famous artists. Well, I certainly aspire to artistry, but I cannot claim any Van Gogh qualities. But um, I've made several cancer quilts. To, for want of a better term, people who were going through cancer, they sit for long hours in chemo and they get cold. And I was thinking of one particular friend, and uh, I, without her knowing, we were, we were not 
tremendously close as friends. But I heard what she was going through, and I thought of her in chemo. And I pieced together a quick patchwork quilt of just, you know, completely different various fabrics, some of which were quite funky and vintage. She's a Silver Lake yoga kind of girl. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was recalling the kind of things she would like. But when I when I gave it to her, I pointed out how each of the each of the little squares in the in the quilt were different. There was no pattern or overwriting theme to the fabrics that I chose. I chose them for their different qualities. And I said, each of these squares represents someone out there who's thinking of you right now as you're going through the struggle. This is your community of people. And each one of them is thinking about you, even if you don't realize it when you're sitting in that chemo chair with this over your knees, is that you are surrounded by your community at all times and never feel that you are alone. And as as altruistic as that sounds, I, I meant it and I felt it and she felt it too. And she did survive her battle with cancer. And a couple of years after I gave her that quilt, she was talking about her battle. And she actually even said in a very public forum, uh, the quilt that Mary Brown made me really helped me through some dark times. And you wow. read that and you think, wow, okay, I spent a couple of hours and a few think times mm-hmm. to put that together for her. And it did, it did create those hours of comfort that I had intended. And um, you know, what what better gift is that? You know, when you think about how you spend your time on this planet, how you how you fill your time, I like to think of myself as filling my time uh, of bringing pleasure and comfort and love to people through my craft. And and I and I think you've done that. I mean, what you what you do is you've taken an intent and you've manifested it into into a very real into a object. physical object. You've, that's I, exactly right. I mean, and that's you know that that's what you've done, and it works. I mean, peop, this this is you know this is a real phenomenon. Um, I I think that when just to back up when we talked about sort of technique and skill, it's like when you're talking about gaining the skill, all that matters is that you're sewing pieces of fabric together once like in any other art or craft, once you have conquered the basic skills, then you can apply the principles that are unique to you. And um, I think that by having sort of a lifetime of sewing, that by the time I got to quilting, the skills were already inside of me, that I was able to um, not get discouraged by the length of time that it takes to complete a quilt or the the number of hours that are kind of a little on the drudgy side, yeah. but um, but because I was manifesting my own vision and how liberating that is and how um, fulfilling that is, uh, that, you know, I, I had a vision, I'm making it happen in a physical reality, I give it away and I create that good feeling in another person. Yeah, well, there's there, there are a lot of you know, various different types of skills that, that people think of as being mundane that that people take to another level. Like cooking is another one. In the example I'm going to make, like when you say, oh, my grandmother made that with love. My grandmother was an amazing cook. And I knew when she when she put her time and effort into that for me, I, I try to imitate the things that she makes, but can't do it. It's totally different. There There is something to that quality. That's actually an excellent analogy because you, cooking... You're welcome, Dan. <laughs> Cooking does require a certain level of skill, 
but it also requires a certain level of intent. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think about the person you're cooking for, so you make sure that it's not only going to nourish that person, but give them what they actually want. Mm -hmm. Um, And that describes a grandma's cooking to a T. Quilting is, and you, you exercise your craft, you put some art and feeling into it, and you come out with a productive item. Um, something you eat, uh, or in my case, something that you, you know, put over your knees to keep you warm. Right. Functionality yeah. versus art. art uh, uh, with that word, with art, you know, yeah. I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> but with art. Yeah, yeah. But you you combine the two, and that's where, like, to me, that's when when think people can do that. That's the amazing part to me. Well, and you think about, um, you know, I like to think that this is something more than a hobby to me, but just on the level of hobby, gee, I could be sitting here doing Sudoku puzzles, but what do I have at the end of it but a book filled up with pencil scribblings? Mm -hmm. Um, Here I am applying my time, effort, and creative energy to something where I really have something at the end of it that while it may not live forever, it'll live for a pretty long time and have actual functional usage. Um, the thing that the worst thing in the world is when I go to a home of someone I've given a quilt to and I may look around and I oh don't boy. see it. This just happened to me uh, last week. I, and guess, I, did, I can tell it's fresh. I did have, oh God, the pain. <laughs> I did have the temerity to ask, so where's the quilt? And uh, she said, oh, it's in the closet. I just keep it as an heirloom. No, oh. no, it's not an heirloom. And I, I, I you know, I thank God. I loved making that quilt for you, and why is it in a closet? Why it? You know, you could clean them. You know, it's yeah. like. And so she thought it was so precious that it needed to be put away. In my mind, of course, it's so precious that it needs to be used and viewed every day, mm-hmm. and that the natural wear and tear that'll occur is is so gradual that there's absolutely no reason not to have the quilt in use, er, you know, every day. That is a very interesting way to look at it because I unfortunately fall into your friend's category where if, if something is made with that kind of you know, artistry and skill, I don't know that I want to use it every day. I, I would be afraid to ruin it. You know, I mean, there's, there's a, you, you talk about the time and you know, months that go into it. The last thing I want to do is have it get ripped on something and then freak uh, it out. It won't get ripped because all my seams are very sound. But uh, and a, a uh, this was not a comment yeah, on your, on oh your no. skill. But a quilt is a very strong thing. Like I, I have a quilted uh, tote bag that uh-huh. I have been carrying around for the better part of a year. It has carried more heavy objects than you can even imagine. And and I've washed it a, a bunch of times. You can't tell hmm. that it that it's been through all of that all of that uh, abuse. Um, quilted quilted stuff is deceptively. Uh, strong and has a lot of structural integrity if it's made decently <laughs> and and can be washed. You know, you throw it in a washing machine on delicate, you know, hang it up to dry. I wouldn't recommend putting it in the dryer, but there's absolutely no reason why you can't just throw it in the washer on delicate yeah. and uh, and use it, you know, all the time. Well, I've just rethinked the my entire usage strategy when <laughs> it comes to Of all those quilts, quilts you have at home. Yeah, I've got tons of them that are just sitting in closets. I think this whole interview has just been an angle to get me to make you a quilt. <laughs> I, well, when you think about, the, I don't know that, I have a blanket. I, 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 we get a bunch of blankets You're using free the from B work. Word again. I, I am, but oh that's God. a blanket. Like, that's that's what common folk use. You know, the, the elites use quilts. And uh, I don't have a quilt, Mary, it's true, but I'm not angling <laughs> at anything. Uh, but but let's talk about, let's move into something kind of funny to me. Um, these quilt cons, these quilting shows. 
What are they like? Like, what are the people there? Are there synchronized outfits? Oh, are there tra- man. What are you trade know? secrets that go back and forth? What are these people like? Are there hats? Are there, what's going oh, on? Oh, jeez. Are the, the people there as much of a patchwork as a quilt is? Well, unfortunately, um, I haven't been able to get to a quilt con because it was held in, once in Houston and another time in Chicago, and I just couldn't justify the expense to get there. So the You couldn't quilt- justify the, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You couldn't justify the expense to go to Chicago. I just want to hear you say that again. <laughs> I could not justify the I expense to go it. to Chicago. For right a quilt here. show. Okay, that's right. Uh, for other reasons, I could. Um, but I've been to uh, local uh, quilt shows that were held locally of a more generic, you know, general nature. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, the typical, you know, it's sort of cliche yeah. um, that it's it. a it's a bunch of older ladies in larger size clothing. There are decorative vests. There are embellishments involved. I There's love a lot of vests. rhinestones on yeah. embellished T-shirts, and there are lanyards with pins on them. I I'm really sorry to say, and these ladies are looking for kits that are where all the design uh, questions have been answered for you, and everything has been cut out for you, and all you do is buy the kit and go home and sew oh. it together, and. Uh, it's it's soul crushing. It really is. But also at some of these, especially like the international ones, um, they will have art quilts on display and quilts that are that where the skill is just you go through aisles of these amazing examples of quilt art. And it's just, I am not worthy. I yeah. am not worthy. <laughs> yeah. You know, you walk in feeling pretty dang cocky because, boy, am I a lot cooler than these ladies in their scooters. <laughs> yeah. but, the but scooters. Then, you forgot that oh, one. my God, the scooters. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, then you, and then you go to that aisle and it, where all the beautiful art quilts are and you just realize, okay, I've still got a ways to go. Yeah. Well, I imagine that, you know, no matter where you go in a large group of people, there's going to be, you know, a spectrum of skill where you're going to have people who are the artists in the one end and then the common, you know, beginners in the other end. Or uh, actually, a lot of the people who are there are really just there because it's just a nice little hobby for them. Maybe they belong to a quilt guild in their town where it's just a social outlet where they, you know, do little challenges and stuff like that. And that's perfectly great. There's absolutely not a thing wrong with that. Um, It's just not where where I'm at uh, with what I'm trying to do. Um, I aspire to be an artist, and I think I am... Now I am a good, solid journeyman in on my way to becoming an artist. But that's my um, ultimate goal: is hmm. to really be a textile artist. Well, I think I've seen some of your work, and I think I think you're there. But you know, I understand not thinking that you are. But you <laughs> are. This stuff's incredible, including the model airplane quilt that you made that you've entered into. That's an amazing. Quilt. I, I did actually finally enter a quilt in a show, a local show. Um, that one was one of my proudest uh, efforts. My father, who is 89, um, he is a lifelong enthusiast of model airplanes. He makes those little balsa airplanes that are about a foot long, a balsa and tissue paper with, with kind of advanced rubber, brand, rubber band technology. And he belongs <laughs> to this group called the Old Farts. And the Old Farts, he is right in the median age of the Old Farts. They all love these model airplanes and they median meet once age, a week. Wow. Yeah, these are uh, old, old farts. Old <laughs> farts. 
um, and they meet in this old gym somewhere in Sun Valley, and they fly their airplanes once a week, and they have a little meeting. So I was thinking about making a quilt for my dad, and I wanted to pay homage to this lifelong hobby. And so I created a quilt that um, recreated the gym itself. So it had sort of a wooden floor and the walls of the gym and the door to the gym all represented. there. Because it's a gym, there's also a basketball net coming uh, out of the wall where the the planes get caught. Right, the planes (laughs) get caught in the basketball net. So I put all of those things in this quilt. It was not a... It was not a quilt with squares. It was very uh, pictorial. It was mm. it was like a, a picture, um, and uh, a swirling around in the air of this gym were uh, dozens of tiny planes that I recreated in fabric. So I did some in very great detail, uh, where they were done in applique, where I sewed fused item you know just made them in in surprising detail and some just little gliders flying around and it was so much fun I also had the logo of the club on it and and uh, my dad was just absolutely tickled pink every week he would come over to my house he would give me critiques he would say well it doesn't look like that and he would make a correction wow he was he was really he was very engaged in the design (laughs) elements of this quilt so when it was all done he was so proud of it and he told the old farts he said uh my daughter's coming and they didn't like that. They all grumbled. We don't need a girl. It's like they didn't want a girl in their clubhouse. He man, woman So I, I showed up with, uh, with my quilt, and I, I complimented the old guys on their, on their thing. And I showed them the quilt, and I pointed out, because a bunch of them had built the planes that were in the quilt, and I pointed out all the, quilt, all the planes in the quilt. They were so tickled. They nearly rushed me trying to teach me how to fly their planes and do they, they wow, loved it really they loved it but uh my dad that's probably his most treasured uh treasured object right right now is his airplane quilt <laughs> really I, and does he use it or does he keep it in the closet uh, he absolutely uses it it's at the foot of his bed oh that is yeah. that's sweet yeah. <laughs> so yeah. did, did this win any awards were there any well uh, apparently the criteria for the the judges the lady judges at my quilt show had to do with you know the edge had to be perfectly straight and apparently my edge wavered a little bit but i got very nice marks i didn't win an award though wow so they so even Wow, that's so funny because I couldn't imagine turning a painting into an art show and they say, well, the canvas isn't stretched thin and thick and whatever well, you do with a canvas. I noticed, canvas. I walked around and I looked at the ones that had ribbons on them and they were not ones that were aesthetically um, pleasing or challenging to me. Yeah. So I realized that just as um, we share different tastes, the judges share different uh, criteria than I did and what made, you know, because I saw other very creative quilts that I thought were much more successful than the ones that won, which were a little bit more conventional. I don't like that. So. Well, let's talk about styles and, and what's, you know, aesthetically pleasing to you. Symmetry and color harmony. These are two things that are kind of, these are things I'm not particularly good at, although I do like things that are asymmetrical or perfectly symmetrical. Right. Um, it, Exactly. I mean, meaning I like both spectrums. I know that those words don't mean the same thing. They're opposites. But I like things that are either perfectly symmetrical or totally asymmetrical. Exactly. Uh, I have a guiding principle when I go about to design a quilt, and that is that its composition be pleasing. And that's kind of pleasing with a capital P in mm. that um, 
that whether it's symmetrical or non-symmetrical, whether uh, you're using a light, bright, traditional, modern, whatever kind of color palette you're using, that the that those design elements combine in a pleasing fashion where your eyes glide over it, do not get jumbled by any harsh uh, design element in the in the quilt, that it is pleasing and that the colors go together in a way that uh, adheres to color principle. And that's, you know, one of those um, innate, it's either innate or you set out to learn it, but color principle is incredibly important in um, any kind of artistic endeavor, uh, but particularly in quilts. Um, and I did sort of study it in my own limited way. I bought color wheels and I um, read about color principles. And when I think about the colors that I use in a quilt, I, I do think about, you know, are these contrasting colors? Are they complementary colors? Are they adjacent? Are they analogous? You know, um, the whole deal. <laughs> the whole deal. Are deal. they warm colors, cool colors? Right. Um, you know, that if you're going to start with jewel tones, you sort of have to end with jewel tones. If you're going to start with pastels, you have to end with pastels. That yeah. um, that you're looking for harmony is probably a good word for it. That um, in the modern quilt movement, some of the designs to me are harsh to the eye, where they are symmetrical and minimalist in the extreme for minimalist effect as opposed to for a pleasing journey for your eye to take across a surface. Well, you know, it's it's amazing to me how you can how there are very simple concepts like harmonious color, which if you have it, you get it. I don't. I understand it, I can't replicate it, but how you can overcomplicate something that in fact in its fundamental nature and its fundamental state is so simple. Um, I don't actually find color principles simple, but I do find it can break down to very identifiable concepts. Um, when you take a look at a at a reasonably detailed color wheel, you can see through the color wheel, okay, I can either go across, I can go in, in triangles, I can go uh, adjacent, I can, um, and look at these different hues and tones of these individual colors. You know, let the um, apparatus out there that's available help you uh, to, to either develop the instincts or to replace instincts that God did not choose to give you. <laughs> um, I, I happen to be a person who can do color pretty instinctively, um, and maybe that's because I've been choosing fabrics over time and I've just mentally figured out what works and what doesn't, or else I just have an, a, an eye for it uh, that maybe not like my colorblind husband doesn't have. Right. Um, but that even if you, like um, the same is true, I'm not much of a, of a drawer, you mm. know. Uh, I'm not really great at freehanding you know, things. So if I need to do something like that, I go somewhere where I can kind of copy what somebody else has done, mm -hmm. as opposed to color, which is instinctive to me. So we all have different skills. Somebody might be a better, you know, drawer, sketcher than I, um, not so strong in color. We all bring our specific skill sets to it, and we find tools to make up for the ones we don't have in spades. No, that that makes sense. Uh, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. I, I just color is one of those things I appreciate but could never replicate. Uh, but in quilting, you know, the, speaking of color, the, the Japanese work that's being done is very colorful and very distinct in its design. Very distinct. They're using kind of a pop art and yet a neutral color palette. So they're 
there's a line of Japanese fabrics called Ichino, uh, I-C-H-I-N-O, that are kind of a, almost closer to a linen. They have a rougher texture, a little thicker than than typical quilting cotton, but these really neat kind of pop art designs and very consistent line of it's saturated color, but it's a particularly, it's a muted color palette. I can't, I, I don't know how else to say it, but they also uh, work a lot in Japanese quilting in in neutrals, in taupes, grays, beiges, um, in, in a line of neutral kind of colors like that that are not... Uh, American in any way. It's mm. like you would look at them and you instantly know that palette is a Japanese palette. And it's a very soothing and calming palette, kind of zen. Um, I don't actually like to uh, create in neutrals because I like color, mm-hmm. um, but I do love uh, the their pop art stuff and I've made some stuff from that. Now, how would you describe the Mary Brown style? Is there, Do you have a style that you use? Is there anything um, that's... I would say I bridge the traditional and the modern. I have a very, um, well, kind of an Asperger-y, engineer-y kind of mind. Yeah. So there's part of me that wants to liberate my my um, piecing, meaning uh, I'm not bound by measurements and symmetry. Part of me can't accept uh, randomness. Mm. So uh, I think that I bridge kind of the random, unconventional nature of modern quilting, um, the the liberated form, um, where you are uh, piecing by impulse, not by um, ruler. Mm. And uh, rulers, you know, I like rulers. I like things I can measure. So uh, I do sometimes make very traditional or conventional looking quilts because that's what the person who wants it wants. Um, Mm. But to my own soul, I like color. I like, um, uh, I don't like things to be matchy and I don't like the the pattern to be predictable. Mm. Well, it's funny you talk about rulers because I'm looking at you, and out of my peripheral vision, I can see four rulers. I right got in front a of my lot head. of rulers. <laughs> I, I probably have a, a dozen rulers and would like to buy a few more. Now, is that because um, there's 12 inches in a ruler? Is that why you have a dozen? Is that how? No, I, I have. You're... I have um, my most used ruler is six inches by 24 inches, and oh, six inches by me. 12 inches. Those are the ones that I use constantly. The rulers are see-through, um, and they allow you to cut. Uh, uh, and you know with precision I also have um, a half a dozen uh, different kinds of triangles for using for different purposes um, so that I can make squares such as half square triangles or um, uh, flying geese which are all sort of traditional quilt pieces (laughs) that go in yeah I also have (laughs) ten and a half inch square ones for squaring up squares I have you know kind of trendy ones that I bought at quilt shows and I've never used again um, but yeah, rulers are big in our world because you got to cut and you, you, you cut with a rotary cutter on a cutting mat and using these see-through rulers and it makes your job a lot easier and more accurate. Well, that, you know, I, I didn't know what I'd stepped into right there because yeah, I followed there's equipment. Well, cause here, so I'm just, <laughs> so the, the, the listening audience can't see this, but I'm looking at Mary. 
I talked about rulers. I followed her gaze behind me, and <laughs> I, I see at holder. least yeah. what looks like ten rulers. Now these aren't rulers. Now I just want to destroy any paradigm you have about what a ruler is, because a ruler, as we know, is twelve inches long by probably an inch wide. These are triangles, squares, rectangles with all kinds of numbers. Um, it's insane. There's half numbers. This is for accuracy. This is the Asperger's. Um, yes. Um, accuracy is so, I, I must admit, it's really important. You kind of got to know what you're doing and you, mm. and you have to cut with precision. But um, the, the equipment that goes along with being a quilter, you can sort of start easy, but ultimately you do need a bit of space, um, a, a cutting mat, uh, rotary cutters, good scissors, um, the rulers, the thread, uh, gosh. Fabric. Yeah. And a rotary cutter, just for those at home, is like a pizza cutter? It looks like a pizza cutter, except it cuts fabric. Exactly. It is exactly Pretty a cool. piece. <laughs> uh, and Pretty in fact, cool. I even used to get um, uh, carpet cutters from Harbor Freight because wow. they, uh, they made the rotary blades a whole lot cheaper. Because rotary blades can run like 5 to $10 each, and you, you mm. need to replace them. Um, with some frequency, and uh, so I tried buying rotary blades at Harbor Freight, and they sort of worked, but they weren't as, as precise as the ones intended for quilting. But, yeah, carpet, you don't yeah. need to be precise in carpeting, no. as no. anyone who's ever had carpeting yes. installed will tell you. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's very quickly, uh, now that I've gotten everyone so excited about the <laughs> the art aspect of quilting. You can feel the excitement. I can't, can't. I, it's palpable. <laughs> what, um, what can, how, how do you, just give me a quick, uh, rundown of how you make a quilt. It's, it's little piece. How do you make the little pieces? What goes into it after you've come up with a concept? Right. Start so there. once you've got the concept, once you've found the pattern, uh, your first act is to uh, find, purchase, obtain the fabric. Uh, once you've obtained the fabric, then it's to cut. Uh, some people cut an entire quilt's worth of pieces at the when they start, I tend to go as I go. Um, and well, like a jigsaw puzzle, you can make them yeah. all at once and then put them together. Exactly, oh. exactly. Um, you start sewing the pieces together in whatever pattern your block dictates. Uh, the a quilt is, is divided up into individual blocks. Um, you make all your blocks, you sew your blocks together horizontally, and then you sew them together vertically. Uh, once you have a pieced top, meaning the top of the quilt is completely sewn together, then you make your sandwich. So you take backing. I usually also piece my backing, meaning I sew pieces of fabric together as opposed to just making it all one. Because mm. I just think it's interesting to have something on the back. Like front and the back. Yeah, And these exactly. are 12, these essential units are 12-inch units, Well, um, you could say basically it's a 12-inch block unit, but, you know, you could have 8-inch blocks. You could have 6-inch blocks. You could have sashing in between them where you're actually sewing borders in between each quilt. Whoa. Or you could be sewing the quilt blocks together individually, depending on the pattern you're in your mind or that you're using. Um, once you put together, then you have your backing. You put that on the floor. You put the, with the... Um, right side facing down the floor. On top of that, you put your batting, which is the cotton stuff that goes in the middle. I like to use cotton. You can get polyester or bamboo or um, different bamboo. kind. Yeah, they make, uh, you know, kind of sustainable batting out oh. of bamboo. Is it I, comfortable? What about down? Oh, down, that's not. Down that's not. would not be the same. You could make a duvet cover for a down comforter, 
in yeah. this, you know, you could piece it. You could do it just like a quilt, but that would be something a little different. Um, I like to use 100% cotton batting. That's just my preference. Um, but uh, there's also wool batting, you know, for a really warm mm-hmm. thing. Um, for uh, some people, I've used fleece, like polyester fleece, just because they wanted wow. it that warm. Yeah. Um, and so you, may, uh, you make your sandwich together. You have to baste the... Th- elements of the sandwich the back the batting and the top you have to base them together you could use uh, a spray adhesive to be a little lazy about it um, <laughs> I, I tend to get on my hands and knees and baste by hand uh, a large quilt so that I know that it will stay together now well, what I'm, does base mean because you're doing like a sewing I'm, movement when I'm I think of sewing basting, by I think hand but really big stitches so like the stitches are two inches long I am just oh, wow. literally basting by hand going all the way across the quilt uh, you just know, crosswise. It. Yeah, just um, putting in temporary, easy to take mm. out stitches to hold it together while I'm actually quilting it. Mm. Um, once I have my sandwich put together, then it comes time to quilt it. Um, you have, if you're going to quilt by hand, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> no, I, I've done it by hand. Some people that speaks to them, it was so not my thing. Um, but you do have if you're going to sew by machine you have to have a machine that has enough room to get a quilt underneath it and so when i purchased a, a sewing machine a couple years ago i made sure that it had a large throat meaning it had more room around where the needle comes down mm. so that i could put a large quilt through my machine um, and then you just sew through all the layers um, a beginner might just sew straight lines in a grid um, mm. Uh, that's certainly completely acceptable. You could sew along the seams. They call it stitch in a ditch. So if you made seams and squares, <laughs> you're just sewing right where the seams are. Uh, easy to disappear, easy to uh, hide, mm. you know, little errors, um, and perfectly valid. Uh, I actually like to do free motion quilting, where which is where you remove all of the elements of the machine that actually grip the machine, grip the fabric to the machine, if that makes any sense. So you can mm. freely move the quilt underneath your needle and I make designs. So I'll make a paisley design or I'll make a geometric design or I'll make a, uh, you know, just any kind of random design that pops into my head where I'm basically um, drawing with the, the moving needle. Wow. Um, and it's called free motion quilting. That is a, a skill that takes a little while to feel confident in, but it's also really fun because that's where you're really starting to put an individual imprint on, um, on your work. Wow. So you could, so if you want to put an individual imprint, you could actually come up with the Mary Brown logo and then stitch the Mary Brown logo Absolutely. in the back of every quilt. I've, I've stitched words into borders. I've stitched, um, you know, pictures. I've stitched uh, all kinds of stuff um, into the into the quilting. Uh, or else I just do a nice, pleasant, all over design that isn't cookie cutter. Yeah. Or straight. That's incredible. Yeah, that's um, fun. So now, in summation, I want to ask you hearing all this about you, what is it, what is the fundamental part of quilting that clearly resonates at such a very deep level with you? Bringing an item to another person that contains emotional content along with physical functionality. Um, bringing my image to life and using it to make someone else happy. Er. 
Now that's what what you do. Is there did that come from something? I mean, this is this is obvious. I'm looking around. Um, this is a very personal thing. It's I mean, a very. This is, it's a. I have a personal space here. I think uh, for me individually, not speaking for any other person on the planet, um, my the facts of my life are such that I am a caregiver stuck at home, uh, and uh, being a caregiver stuck at home is a challenging life um, to find. Uh, to enlarge your mind in a, in a place that's actually quite small, mm. um, in a physical space where you are, you know, where your movements are necessarily restricted. And so I am able to live my life at home in this room surrounded by creative things that uh, keep my mind and my fingers and my body all occupied while I'm performing this necessary task for another person. Huh. And you've created this space. How did you create this space? This, I mean, this is designed specifically for you. By necessity, it's got a lot of shelving. I've got a, a, a place on my wall where all my thread is. I've got a bookshelf that contains all of my fabrics all stacked in um, in a, my own personal organizing system. I have all my books and my uh, all the little accessory items, the notions, the glues and the staplers and the tapes and all the stuff that you need. And I have Abraham Lincoln everywhere in my room to remind me of the larger things in life. And um, all of the other, and a big design wall where I can just, stuff sticks to it. It's like a felt board from kindergarten. <laughs> um, if I want to see how blocks are looking together, I can throw them up on my design wall. You can also see what I'm working on, what, what my primary project is at any given time by what's on my design wall. And, and there's a big work table where I, my life takes place. And, um, you know, it, it makes my home a creative place to be. So maximize the positive thoughts, reduce exactly. the negative thoughts. That if you have a tendency to rummage around in your brain for all those negative thoughts and complaints and those angry monologues you have with the people you're mad at, um, I can replace those thoughts, which are not helpful or productive. I can replace them with helpful and productive thoughts. I can sit there and solve a design problem in my head and thus, you know, drive out any thoughts of being bored or put upon um, mm. or angry or annoyed uh, that there is no room for annoyance in a head that's filled with design concepts I can, could not agree with you more uh, this has been a very metaphysical conversation about quilts um, I feel like my brain has been expanded and I don't mean that in any kind of flip way uh, this is, <laughs> but I think this. Experience. I just to interject. I think the same is true for many, many creative outlets that people yeah. find for themselves. Whether it's you know writing a blog or having a podcast or making uh, fine art, you know, visual art of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, there's a ton of things that people do to achieve the same effect that I'm that I'm talking about. That is true. That is true, but we're talking about this one. We're right? talking about quilting. We're talking about quilting. Uh, I do want to say I have um, several of your examples on the website. Cool. Um, and I think people will love to see them. And uh, is there anyone? Is there anyone? Anyone can get in touch with you? See your work? Do you have a website? Or is this all a personal thing? Uh, you you do, do them for hire, don't you? you do some... I do. I've been lately. I've been doing a lot of commissions where just word of mouth people come to me and ask me. Uh, most recently, I did a t-shirt quilt 
for a 16-year-old kid that his parents wanted done out of all of his, you know, his, uh, the Little League t-shirts in the school t-shirts and all that, all the old t-shirts from his childhood uh, put together in a quilt that, that was warm and wonderful. And actually, we should put on the website a picture yeah, of, the, it's great. of yeah, the kid absolutely. with the quilt around him because a, a more contented face on a 16-year-old <laughs> kid you <laughs> You, you see rarely it. see. You will not see. <laughs> but that that was uh, when just seeing that kid's face underneath the quilt that I made for him. Uh, just you know the fact that I got paid for it, notwithstanding, uh, it was extremely gratifying. That is a pretty yeah. Let's let's put that up there. Yeah. Um, Mary, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me. This is <laughs> thanks, Dan. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you to everyone for listening. Have a good night.